I, I end up singing songs on loop. Um, so I'll end up doing Mastercraft. All I do is party. Uh, 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 yeah. But then, but then I'll have some sort of connection to that where I'm like, yeah, you're a badass. You're moving through the forest. Like, Hello, and welcome back to the next episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. I have been on a sober spree. So this has been a very good um, fit for a podcast sponsor recently so that I can still sit at the finish line of the races that are coming back or at the end of adventure days and enjoy a delicious IPA that just happens to be alcohol free. Um, so sometimes I find that I just don't recover and I don't sleep well. Um, our watches seem to have these like sleeping things that you can track now. And it is alarming the difference if I have even a single glass of wine. Um, and we had a big, big training block and I just wasn't sleeping as well after. So I've decided to cut out the booze and see how that goes. And you know what I found? It doesn't matter. I want to sit around at the finish line and have drinks because of my friends. Um, but it is nice to have something cold and refreshing and delicious at the finish line. So what the athletic brewing has been doing the trick. So it was founded by Bill and John, who are craft beer lovers who just wanted to cut back on alcohol, but they didn't want to compromise flavor. And the other flavors that they loved in craft beers didn't seem to be available in non-alcoholic beer. So they brewed the beer that they wanted to drink. Turns out there are lots of other people looking to moderate, uh, but are still thirsty for a great beer. So athletic brewing has really been a hit. What else can I say about them? That you should go to athleticbrewing.com and use the discount code TRW15 for 15% off. And there are so many different delicious types you can get there and they have a fun website and you can get it in Canada or in the US. So I highly recommend going to athleticbrewing.com and checking them out. Today's guest is Corey Jennerman. I've wanted to have Corey on for a while because he is one hell of a runner, but he's also really fun and really smart and able to kind of take on events and races and different sort of jobs and do them really, really well, which I always find is kind of a unique skill. So he just looks deep into the research, I think, on whatever it is that he's doing and does it as good as you possibly can, um, which is also inspiring. So instead of being afraid of new things, you can just teach yourself how to do it and do it. So one of those things was actually to pace Tori to bear 100 and he had not done any pacing before. So we talk about that experience and how he learned to do it and how to be a good pacer. Then we talked about how he himself gets through the hard parts of runs, trail runs, anything where you are in that low point. And he has some of the best tips that we've had so far. So I had a lot of fun chatting with Corey. You guys are gonna love him, so I won't say much more than that. Oh, I did wanna thank everybody who's leaving a rating and review. I have been podcasting for like three years now and I just realized that on my iTunes, I only see the Canadian reviews. So if you've left one and you're from Great Britain and Australia or the US, I didn't know that I couldn't see it until somebody was like, go to Chartable and then you see them all. And then I saw them all, so thank you. And um, somebody said, I, there's too much chit chat. And that was the one negative review we had, but that made me laugh because like it's a podcast. So if you wanted just a straight list of points, this might be pretty boring. Um, so huge thanks to everybody who is leaving reviews. Lovely, lovely thing for you to do. Okay, that's it. No more chit chat, wink, wink. Here's Corey. Da, 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 da. 
And here, live with his very own intro song, we have Corey Jennerman, who I have been friends with for, oh God, six, eight years. He's huge in the running community. If you go for a run in Vancouver, you are almost most certain to run into him at some point in your life, usually with a high five, probably not during a pandemic. You can see him on the road, doing the gross grind multiple times, pacing people to 100 mile races, doing beer miles, all things running. Welcome to the show, Corey. Hey, thank you. Um, I'm really happy to be here. And wow, that was a big deal in the running community. I feel so honored. You are. It's amazing. Like I started a roadrunner and then I did some triathlon and then I got into trails and in every sector, somebody knows who you are. Multiple people know who you are. And a huge part of that is the, is the website that we'll get into, but yeah, yeah, you just are. And that was one of the things you wrote in your little bio too, that you're an advocate of using road running to transitioning to the trails, which I think is super cool. So I'm excited to talk about how they mush all together. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, it's, it's pretty funny because my, the majority of my running career is probably my career. I'm using air quotes is, <laughs> is road running. And I only recently ish. And by that, I mean, I guess in 2014. So, okay. Maybe that's been about seven years, uh, have been doing the trails, but it's a very small portion of what I feel my, my entire running life has been. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, I laughed at your first trail run too, which we will get into because my experience yeah. was very similar. So for our listeners, why don't we start with a brief, um, your elevator pitch on kind of what you do, and then let's get into a history of, uh, of young Corey after that. Yeah, that sounds good. So my name is Corey Jennerman, and, and currently I'm the managing partner at uh, Run Guides Media. We own a website called runguides.com, which helps people find running races across North America. And we operate uh, an app called Virtual Baton App, which helps people participate in virtual team fitness challenges. And... I currently live in Vancouver, Canada, just hanging out here. Doing your thing. Yes. To be seen wandering around always in a very classy outfit. <laughs> yeah. There might've been a few, a few blazer, blazer runs, uh, here, here, or there. Yeah. Also, um, <laughs> can we, can we talk about how we know each other? Cause I think that's an awesome story. It is so funny and it has definitely come up before when Tori talks about you because Tori, I think, didn't think realize that I knew you. And I was like, oddly <laughs> enough, I have met Corey back in the day. Do you want to tell the story or shall I? Well, let's I'll, I'll tell a little bit uh, of it and then I like I'll tell my side and then you can tell your side and then or I don't know. Um, We yeah, we met on the swipies in <laughs> It, what was that? It was probably 2015-ish, some sometime around then. Um, well, I've I've been married for three and with my husband for like six, so it, it had to be a little before that. Yeah, it must have been a little bit before that then, yeah. Um, yeah, it was hilarious. I was engaged, and then I had a month of a whole lot of Tinder dates before I met my current husband, and I think you might have actually been my first in live person Tinder dating. Whoa. So I was like, I was the first in a series of machine gun dating, just like bam, 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 like a whole bunch of coffee meetups. Yes, exactly. Just to learn it. And yeah. I remember you were just launching run guides and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And a year yeah. later I was like, oh my God, I need this website to survive. Well, and that was the the funny part because um, uh, after we met, we didn't really see each other. And then uh, years later, it felt like I get an email through uh, the Run Guides job application form for a, a contract position. We just needed a little bit of contract work done. 
and you had written in and you said, Hey, you know, I use your site and I'm, I'm interested in maybe helping you out. And I looked at the, the name and I'm like, wait a second. And I, I remember emailing you back going, Hey, um, I don't know if you remember, but we went out on a swipey date once. <laughs> that's right. I forgot that that's how we reconnected. That's yeah. right. Because I was just starting my coaching business and was like, Oh, this would be a good, like team effort here. Yeah. So funny. And then years later, I would meet your now girlfriend at three in the morning about to do the Gross Grind Challenge. That's for right. First Gross Grind. Yeah, she got she got into listening to the podcast and then was super pumped on what you were up to and then got was super pumped to going, going up the hill. I mean, she's, yeah, she just loves going up there. She's gone up like 48 times this year already. She's uh, so badass now. The, it's awesome. Yeah, going up the, the, the BCMC and um, because the grind is closed, well, was closed and yeah. Abide by the laws of the forest. Uh, <laughs> but, but, no gross grinders here in the winter. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and then, yeah. And then she, she went and paced you like three, three in the morning for that multi grind. Yeah. And she did two that day. And I don't, I think she might be the only person in history that the first day that they do the gross grind does it twice. Yeah. I, I think so too. She's, uh, yeah, her progression has been incredible. The first time we went jogging together was, uh, right. Like, the early days when we were dating, uh, we went to a, a run crew and did kind of like a 5k jog. And, um, yeah, I think she almost died <laughs> and, and, and now she's like ripping up, doing all these grinds, doing all these, she runs more trails than I do. It's awesome. Yeah. So let's tie this together actually, yeah. because we know each other and you know, our other co-host Tori. That's right. How do you know Tori? Um, I all I met Tori through the swipeys as well. Shut up! Really? <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know that. So what happened was um, many years ago, probably uh, yeah, around the same ish time, maybe that we connected. I'm not totally sure. I we swiped on each other, and Tori was I think up in Whistler, Squamish area, or something. Uh, and then it turned. Oh no, we swiped on each other, and then. It turned out we had a bunch of mutual friends, so we just connected on Facebook and um, then didn't see each other for ever, really. I'd never met her in person. And then one day, I was up at Lake Lovely Water with a group of friends, and there was a bachelorette party happening uh, at the beach near the cabin up there. Lake Lovely Water is a, um, a lake, awesome area, just, just above Squamish, uh, for those who don't know. And... There's a cabin and then there's a, uh, a tiny beach kind of down the side of this lake. Anyway, long story short, this bachelorette party comes over to uh, ask us if they can borrow the boats to the cabin. And it turns out Tori's one of those people. And that's how we met in person for the first time. That is so funny. So just friendships meant to be, hey? Yeah, it's super, super hilarious. Uh, and then, yeah, and then years later, I got to pace her down at the, at the bear, um, which was really, really cool. And I, yeah, I'd love to talk about that experience at some point today. I think it's I think it's pretty interesting. It's my first pacer, first pacer gig ever. We're definitely going to get into that because uh, she talked a lot about how well you did pacing and how much fun. And at that time, I was still trying to like get my brain organized. And I was like, this is the same guy from that date that's now pacing one of my friends at her 100 mile race. Like, yeah. I need to get this all set. <laughs> so let's back up for a bit and talk sure. about when you when you started running back in 2004. Yeah. Um, what were you doing that uh, got you into running for the first time? So I lived in Victoria, British Columbia at the time, and I had a friend who there's a race there called the Times Colonist 10K. It's a, a giant uh, 10K road race. 
And my friend said, hey, I want to form a team that is 1% of the entire size of the race. So I think we needed about 120 people on the team. Uh, come out, join the team, um, and we'll be called the Wounded Gazelles. And his, Forrest was the guy that, that created the team. His girlfriend at the end of it dressed up in a full mascot, like gazelle mascot outfit. And we would nice. all do tequila shots. He's like, That's, let's go do that. And I, I said, well, that sounds fun. Uh, I will come out and run this 10K. And that was pretty much the first time I ever ran a, a, a big race like that before. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Ran it in basketball shoes and a cotton t-shirt and sort of stumbled across the line, totally dead uh, and cramping and, and thought, well, that, that was kind of fun. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll do some more of this running stuff in the future. That's so crazy that you didn't know because you're such a talented runner, I guess, that you just sort of fell into this. I always find that surprising when people clearly have such uh, a natural ability. So what happened from there? You obviously you got yeah. a bit of the bug mm -hmm. and um, talk a bit about like, what kind of paces did you start to see in those early days? And was it a conscious effort to get faster or are you just kind of a fast human? Yeah, well, thank you. That's such a kind thing to say. Um, I... So for the next few years, I just kind of would go do runs with like, wasn't really tracking my pace. I didn't have a watch or anything I had. Um, you know, this is back in, back in 2005, 2006, I had my 64 megabyte MP3 player and I would just throw on a bunch of electronic music, which I love. And I would just go for these runs at dusk through Victoria. Eventually I moved to Vancouver, went for runs, but what, what facilitated uh, transition to speed was in about 2007, I believe. I I ended up doing a half marathon here in Vancouver, the the Pacific Roadrunners first half half marathon. Um, now I guess part of the the Vancouver Marathon series of events. And at the time, I thought, you know, like a half marathon is that's crazy, right? Like I I don't know. <laughs> do, you probably felt the same way the first time you did anything like that, right? Like, yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and 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 so I I did that and I finished it. And then I thought, wow, that's amazing. And then the next year, my younger brother, who is uh, seven years younger than I am, maybe eight, I'm sorry, Kyle, if I just screwed up your age, um, <laughs> he, he challenged me the next year and he said, okay, we're going to race against each other. And he ended up beating me by two seconds. Like we had this whole last kilometer battle past my family. They're, you know, they're cheering, ah, I go. And in the last hundred meters, he just, I had nothing left and we're neck and neck. And I look over to him completely spent. And I just pat him on the shoulder and it was like, good job. Um, you win. And, wow. and he beat me. And so then we decided to, uh, I think at this time we're probably running maybe like one, 145 or, or 150 half or something on the road on like a really flat course. Right. Um, and so we, we decided to run it back the next year. And that's when I started learning about running faster. <laughs> and, and then I sort of, sort of dropped like the half down to like the one and a half hour half. And then the, the sub one and a half hour half and, and just kind of, kind of went from, from there. Wow. That is so cool. Um, my first race actually was a race against my brother too. That's funny. Like my whole family had bets on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had the same thing. 
And, and same thing. Like, it was just like, who do you think's more naturally athletic? And everybody had money on my brother and he ran, it was the sun run, like a 53 minute. And I ran like yeah. 51 and I was yeah. like, I'm so fast. Yeah, that's right. I love it. Um, I love <laughs> All it. All the good old days. Yeah. So did your brother improve the same way you did? Cause I mean, a sub one and a half, like yeah. obviously that's, that's getting into like pretty elite fast times. Right. I, I mean, for, you know, for someone like myself, who's a, a recreational, uh, hobby jogger that is really competitive against my own times. I'm pretty happy with that sort of thing. Um, yeah, he, he ended up moving to the Philippines and didn't train that much and came back the next year. I think he fueled with almond butter and then spent a good chunk of the race in one of the porta potties. <laughs> gross yeah <laughs> so but gross. hilarious yeah and i had i at that time had another um year of knowledge reading jeff galloway's book on running which was the impetus behind learning anything that i know about training like it talked about different workouts uh it talked about how to create a rough training schedule i think this book was written in like the 70s the the cover of it has uh, who i assume is jeff galloway um <laughs> And, and I, I, I'm assuming is his wife and they're just wearing like the, like the 70s short shorts and the big cotton tee and, oh, he's rocking like a really sweet flow. Um, but that, yeah, that taught me all these basics. And most importantly, it made me learn. It taught me about the, the mental game of running. Oh, interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah. It's, uh, the book, and this was the first time I'd ever really thought about this stuff, uh, really paid attention to it, but the book talked about all the little mind games that you can play to help yourself uh, fight through those tough times of a race. And the way, the way it put it is it basically said, look, you have, a, you have a battle going on in your brain when you're doing endurance sports, right? You have the side of your brain that wants to succeed and hit whatever goal you set for yourself. And then you have the side of your brain that says, let's just stop now. What are you doing? Just quit. And what do you like? How do you, how do you pattern interrupt that message? Right? Like if you, um, if you have a bad habit, you need to kind of pattern interrupt that. Uh, or so they say in the books I've read about this sort of stuff. And really it just comes down to playing a bunch of goofy mind games to try to interrupt that thought pattern of this is hard. I need to stop. Do you want, do you want some examples of like some of the stuff that, that. Yeah. I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm just thinking like you and I have done um, talks together and this yeah. is kind of my, my favorite subject and yeah, some examples that I'm also running if, or running. I'm also wondering if you've read Alex, Hutch, Alex Hutchkinskin's book, that's very similar. And he says it's like holding your finger over a flame where you're not close enough that you're actually going to burn yourself, but it is uncomfortable. Yes. And it's just staring at it. And like, how long can you just hold this? Yes, spot? exactly. Is that, is that the, um, is that the endure book? Or, yeah. yeah, that's a great book. And, uh, endure, there's another one called how bad do you want it by Matt Fitzgerald? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you super, you probably read these uh, as many times as I, as I have. Too. Yes, I'm yeah. a geek as well. Yeah, as that's it. what you're saying, <laughs> um, Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And 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 these things, like I mean, Jeff Galloway's book, and some of these I still use today. Uh, yeah, tell us your best. Yeah, ones. they're so ridiculous, but I love them. So one of them is I will be running and I will smack my quads, and in my head 
I will be saying, okay, you actually have robot legs and you're putting a solar panel on your robot legs. It's harnessing the energy <laughs> of the sun and you can feel that energy coming into your body right now. And now you're like crazy robot piston legs are firing. Can't you like feel that power? And I'll like, I'll think through this whole process, which is ridiculous, but it helps. Um, yeah. In multiple ways, right? Like it takes your mind off of thinking about the pain. Yeah. And it gives you like some sort of boost. I don't know how it does, but it does. It totally does. I'll take in little sips of water. Uh, and I will imagine that that's like super cooling power fluid. And I can feel that, that the power of that just cool my body. And I can feel the en energy of it going out and flowing through me. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is powering you up right now. And again, just trying to convince myself that, um, yeah, I'm in this really powerful state. I use, I know you, I think you do this a lot as well. Like I use, I use a lot of mantras as well. Yeah. And I use similar visualization techniques as you, except for, you know, when you see a, um, a horse running really fast mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you can kind of see their like shoulders, or I guess it would be like a, whatever that is on a horse, like the top of their legs, like they always just have this super kind of ripped muscle thing yeah, every yeah. step that they take. So that's kind of what I put in my brain. Um, and it's the same idea as your solar panels. It's just visualizing something that's like strong and seemingly never gets tired. I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's exactly right. But for, okay, so mantras, like yeah. we're, we'll jump around a bit here, but you've sure. also done some really long trail stuff. And that's kind of where you're probably in more pain, but you're moving a lot slower. So you don't need to think about your like sub three hour marathon yeah. kind of keep going fast. What kind of mantras do you use when it's just how to keep going? Yeah, I mean, for the funny thing that I found with myself on, on trail events, which are to me... Yeah, different kind of um, hurt or a different kind of uh, endurance or pain that you have to break through on those than, yeah, say running like sub three or whatever. I, I end up singing songs on loop. Um, so I'll end up doing um, like Mastercraft. All I do is party. Uh, 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 yeah. But then, but then I'll have some sort of connection to that where I'm like, yeah, you're a badass. You're moving through the forest. Like, oh, you're getting, even though your leg is kind of cramping, it feels good. Let's party. This is the trail party. This is my, this is my suffering party. And, and like, that's kind of going through my head. That goes through my head a lot in, uh, in long distance events. Yes. I love that. I almost too embarrassed to say the one that just like comes to my head all the time. Say it. <sighs> Okay, it's not actually correct either. It's just how it ends up in my head. Oh, but it's it. just like Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and it just goes over and over <laughs> again. He's the man named Spider-Man. And it's something about like how he would just have like parkour off of stuff yes. and go like so fast, right? That is I love that. And <laughs> and it, it is it is it's really goofy, but at the same time, I feel like that is part of the beauty of endurance sports where you kind of strip away all of your ego, right? As you yeah. as you do this these events and you're getting more and more into the hurt box or even more and more into an, an, an area that's uncomfortable for you. And that doesn't have to always be some crazy long distance event. That could be you want to run a 5K and that's the limit of your ability. But you do, you strip away all your ego and you just say, look, I'm having, I'm having a tough go right now and I just want to draw some energy in from anywhere I can. And 
I'm just going to go with this goofy thing that's in my head. I know it's ridiculous and I feel like it might be embarrassing, but don't like cast that aside and embrace whatever you need to grab onto and draw energy from to get through to where you want to go and, and hit that goal. Yes, that is, you are very good at that, I think. Um, and it, it definitely, I think it rubs off on other people when they're around you too. Like, um, I'm sure when you've paced people to their marathon PRs, which I think you've done more than one time, um, that, and pacing Tori as well. Like, I think part of your energy is what makes you really good at that position. I really want to get into your, um, to pacing Tori at the yeah. bear, but first we have to back up. Okay again, because you have ran a sub three hour marathon, which everybody knows is like the great equalizer, amazing pace, like life goal for so many people. Um, first, what gave you, what made you want to do that? Um, and tell us a bit about that actual experience. Yeah. Um, I, I went through a tough breakup and I decided that that was going to be the mark that I was going to set for myself. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm going sub three and then I'm going to get on with my life. Uh, and, and then I, and then actually I didn't get it. And then I had to, and then I lost a bit of motivation for running. Then I came back and got it. Um, so yeah, once that was in my head, I just thought, okay, this will be, this is something that to me is at the limit of my ability. I think it's possible. Um, I don't know if it's possible. I don't know that it's not possible. That's how I set that goal. That's amazing. And do you remember like that race specifically and the highs and lows, when was it? Yeah, that was at the 2017, uh, Vancouver marathon. Uh, so okay. May, May, 2017, I tried in 2015 and I, I missed it by a bit, sort of whatever, 2016. And then, uh, and then to yeah, 2017. What do you think changed? Was it just additional training time? It was intervals. I started doing speed work consistently. Uh, with some run crews. I'd never run with any run groups before. And after about, I started doing that in about uh, the summer of 2016. And this is actually where I got all, I think all my real, any real speed that I have is from that. Uh, I started doing these intervals consistently. And all of a sudden it was like half marathon PR, um, 10K PR. Uh, oh, wow. Like sub three is within, within reach. And, and I, I attribute my success entirely to that. And do you have any example of like your favorite interval workout? People are always like, give us an idea of like, what do they mean? What was an interval? Yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, <laughs> seem to be so many, but I really like the ones where you kind of go one kilometer on, uh, and then you take a rest period of, you know, whatever you need to recover. Maybe it's a minute and a half, two minutes. I really, really like those ones. So long warm up. And then you're going to go uh, one kilometer on and, and that's going to be at like your 5K pace. Um, and then you're going to take a few minutes rest uh, or like slow jog and then do one kilometer on again. Repeat that uh, at least five times. That's a nice interval one for that specific distance. Yeah. And that actually translates well into trail running. I find that's one of my favorite workouts to do and to give. And by favorite, I mean like also my least favorite and <laughs> anxiety all week. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's just right in that 
VO2 max kind of zone, not a full sprint, but you're t- it's long enough to suck. And I like what you're saying that like your rest time is shorter than your work time. I think that's kind of yeah. a key point in some of this too. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and that just, that kind of works for me. I know that I'm sure there are people who might say, oh, take longer rest, get your heart rate down, that, that kind of thing. Um, all super valid, whatever works for you. The, I think you, you kind of did a, the, the road to trail thing too, as well. Didn't you? I did. Yeah. And that's what I, so Corey sent me some speaking points that he would like to touch on. Um, oh, we don't, one we don't of them, have to. It's up to No, no, no. Cause I think it's very interesting being a big advocate of using road running to transition over to distance trail events. And I agree from a fitness standpoint, but I also think, especially in the North shore, mm-hmm. um, my technical ability isn't good enough to do that. So I think there has to be some like leeway in how good can you run down a mountain? Yeah. Great point. Because, um, who, or what has two thumbs and isn't fasted downhill this guy. Um, (laughs) yeah, my, my downhill, my technical downhill, I'm, I'm really slow, uh, at, at that. And where I excel is, on anything that's like uh, uphill, I think I'm I'm pretty average. If it's uh, it's on the flats or a slight downhill, oh yeah, that's that's my jam. And then like yes. tech technical technical downhill, I just I just go down the hill and I go, let me know when you're gonna pass. Let me know. <laughs> let me know when you're gonna pass. Yeah, which is so deflating because it's like I just worked so hard to pass all these people on the uphill, and they're like, oh look at me, waste no energy to pass you again. And no. I'm like, yeah, uh, I know, I know, I'll see, I'll know, I know, I'll see them again. Um, True. No, actually, I, most of the time they draw me. <laughs> like, all right, peace. Um, but yeah, I totally the the fitness aspect. I thought like, coming from road to trail was pretty great because uh, I felt like I was always moving way slower on the trails, and so I was actually a lot more relaxed from a you know, mm-hmm. oh my god, my my heart's gonna jump out of my body and and my legs are are you know I'm breathing way too heavy kind of perspective. But yes, the going downhill, uh, anything technical that was interesting, uh, and a challenge to adapt to learning how to power hike the climbs, um, yeah, and, when and the, not run yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like one of Corey's top trail trips. I, I hear that. I, I mean, I like it cause I know you, people say it on, on the podcast a lot too, but power hike the climbs. Totally. I can power hike a climb. Like we all, especially here, we have such steep climbs. Um, go way faster than if I ran it and save so much energy. Yeah. I actually think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because I think trail running is such um, a big, like it just keeps growing that a lot of people start running as a trail runner. And so instead of doing a 10 K a half marathon and then a marathon, they're like, Oh, the first trail run I should do. That's also my first run of any distance at all is a 50 K. And without that (laughs) training base, yeah. um, Instead of the old-fashioned way, which is to run a marathon and then figure you're only adding on a few more Ks, so give it a go. Exactly, a hundred percent. And like to get to that marathon, you've run, you started a five K, went to a ten K, like we're we're two way up, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder. I I feel. Do you feel that's a um? Do you feel like that's a social media thing? I the, the whole like, oh, I'm gonna get into trail running. I'm gonna start with a fifty K. Yes, I do. I think it's a huge part of it. And then it's like, um, I'm not a real ultra runner until mm. I run under miles. And I have had people, um, as a coach reach out and be like, I just started running and I want to do hundred miles next year. And yeah. I'm like, listen, I have to be honest with you. This is not a good idea. And they're like, yeah, but I ran 25 and like felt great. That's awesome. 
25 miles, 25 kilometers mm-hmm. feels way fucking different than 78 miles in. Like you can't, it just takes time. You have to yeah. build up those muscle fibers and your skin is going to fall off. Like there's just so many things. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think that, and this is I, what I see to, from people who don't know much about trail running, say my friends who aren't really into running or whatever, people seem to equate trail running to ultra running. Trail running does not equal ultra running. Ultra running yes. equals ultra running. And that's much the same way that road running. It's like, you go, oh, I'm, a, I'm a runner. It's not like, oh, do you just run marathons all the time? Like, no, I go up for 30 minutes. <laughs> just- yeah, exactly. And if you're trail running 8K, you're still a trail runner. That's it's so funny. It's exactly. such a misconception. Exactly. All you need to do is have one photo staged where it looks like you're running full speed down your boulder field. And then you have <laughs> enough Instagram credit for the rest of your life. And you're... You're good. Does that actually, does that help me improve my downhill? If I take some sweet looking shots, um, I, I think so. Maybe yeah. I can play a mental game. That'll be my new, that'll be my new mantra. You are good at downhill. Uh, get, get down. <laughs> I am being filmed. <laughs> so let's, uh, how about your first trail run, which was yeah. trail stoke 55 K. Yeah. Uh, sounds like it got shortened to 48 K, which you might've been super glad around seven or six. 47 yeah. 48k in that race. How did that go? I was so scared. Uh, I, this is 2014. I had, I'd done an Ironman in a, a couple of years prior to that. Uh, and so I thought, you know, all right, I'm kind of hot shit endurance. I can do anything. And my friend, um, Amy, who was producing this, well, yeah, you know, Amy, um, was producing that race through five peaks and said hey why don't you come out and uh run this trail stoke event and i went yeah totally i can do it and so i showed up to Revelstoke, and we've got our it was myself uh my friend chloe my friend graham my friend aaron um and we showed up to the Revelstoke hotel uh the day before and they do the pre-race briefing right and so i went to that and I said, okay, yo, the weather up top is super bad. Uh, they're going to cut two or whatever, how many K off the course. It's going to be two degrees. Make sure you've got appropriate uh, layers. And I'm shitting myself. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I, have a, I have some shorts and I've got a little backpack with a platypus in it. Um, holy, what did I, like, what have I signed up for? And we go, okay, we go back down. I'm kind of bugging out a bit, but no way, whatever, it's good. And the next day, um, the start finish line, by the way, is, is 100 meters from our hotel room. Uh, I go, I wake up and I go down to drop off a drop bag. And uh, Chloe's introducing me to some other people uh, who are running it. Hey, Corey, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. And they're all wearing like these vests and trucker hats and <laughs> And, and, and they're like, what up? How's it going? And I'm like, holy shit, these people really know what they're doing. I'm so scared. Um, and I just, I went back up into the hotel room and listened to music alone. Cause I'm like, I'm bugging out. I'm so nervous. What have I got myself into? I'm going to have to run up this mountain and it's going to be cold and I'm underprepared and I'm underfueled and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm wearing road shoes and I don't have a cool vest and I have a hat, but it's not a trucker hat. Um, and, and I just waited until five minutes before the race start and I went to the back of the, the start field 
and oh and then they went go and and I went okay well there's no stopping now uh I had a, I had a good time I I got a little bit cold I got a little bit lost at one point tagged on an extra 2k I spent a lot of time at the aid stations and yeah I think it took took almost it took around maybe nine hours for me to finish it and I thought all right okay <laughs> that was pretty fun like, that's amazing and that is like you could have just told my first ultra story too mm-hmm. right down to the, like I did an Ironman and the world tells you in the Ironman world that you are now the best at endurance ever yeah so like why wouldn't I just sign up for also a 55k like why wasn't a 50k good enough I don't know yeah and then telling my dad to meet me at the finish line it'll be five or six hours probably it's just a bit longer than a marathon yeah yeah and then at eight hours, asking somebody else, like, how long do you think this is going to take? <laughs> <laughs> I've been at 40K for a long fucking time yeah, now. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm not getting anywhere. Oh, I, I shouldn't have run that first hill. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, but then you're addicted, right? I thought it was pretty cool. I, as Yeah, as with, um, I think, anything that I've experienced in the endurance sports world, it's like you're, you set a threshold for yourself that is unknown. Uh, you're a nervous wreck going into that because it's unknown and then you do it and then you go, okay, that was, that wasn't as bad as I thought, or, or maybe it was, but yeah. That's like having a baby. That's what happens is it's the short term amnesia <laughs> and that's how you do these things again is you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And then later on you're like, fuck it, I'm stupid. Yeah. I, um, I, I think I saw, uh, is Baker running now? Like, oh, oh yeah. He loves a good trail run. It's the best. So cool. I thought, I thought, I thought I saw a photo on the seawall or something just drifting around. <laughs> Was, yeah, he runs about 3K. He's one and a half. That's amazing. Yeah, it's super funny. I mean, we have to stop and like pick up every stick and rock, but that's fair. Yeah, that's those, that's aid station training. Right? Yeah, we just need some toddler segments on Strava. Oh. He's he's golden. It's coming soon. Strava for toddlers. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, not not what we need. <laughs> um, and I actually, to kind of go with that, you've since ran Kneenacker, yeah. Squamish 50, um, the multi-grind, but for Nienacker and Squamish, race day was the first time that you did the entire course. I like that. I yeah. think that is, a, there's something that makes trail running fun if you don't know the course that well. You can still be super prepared, yes. but I think, and Courtney Delwater, I heard her say the same thing, that like a little bit of ignorance is bliss when it gets to those. Totally. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. And and of course, to be clear, I, I wasn't going into the Nienacker or Squamish 50 going, Oh, hey, like, I don't even know anything about this course. Like, I, I went over the elevation profile and kind of understood, you know, what each section was going to be like. But yeah, I'd never run, um, well, at Squamish, I hadn't run any of it ever. Uh, and in uh, for for the Nienacker, basically 90% of it. I had done a little bit of that section around, what's it called, the junk between uh the base of the gross grind and the worst, yeah, the worst yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, that section. And then the rest of it, I kind of knew, like I knew, Hey, there's going to be a climb at the beginning. Uh, I kind of know what's going to happen after that. And yeah, it is. I think a little bit of ignorance is quite good because you, now you're kind of just focusing on what's going on and you can really immerse yourself into it a little bit more. I think it, mm. maybe it would be different if you're, if you're trying to win the whole thing. Although I guess Courtney's winning everything. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, a little bit, a, a, a healthy sprinkle of ignorance. Yeah. 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 But I, it, it made it, it made it a lot more fun, I think, because I just didn't know what was happening next. I just kept asking people around me, 
uh, what what the next section of the quad. I'm like, have you run this before? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like, so I think we're going to be going up for a while, right? And then we go down. Is that what happens? Okay. Good. Thank you. Did you uh, see the same type of success as you did with your um, like road running? In the trails? I was with those particular races um, and say the multi grind, I was really happy with how things went. Uh, I had, I, I find it hard to set expectations for myself in the form of a time goal in, mm-hmm. in trail races. I think that's, of course, yeah. yeah, unless you've, you know, done it before and you're, and you're doing the experience in the same conditions on the same day, I think that's challenging to look at time. My goal was go out and just give it all I can, have a lot of fun, and see what happens. And, and yeah, all, all of those events, uh, I felt like I found some personal success in for sure. You're quite good at being competitive without, um, the annoying part of being competitive and comparing yourself to all the other guys times or making excuses <laughs> or anything. Is that, is that just how you've always been? Or did you learn that? I am definitely competitive, uh, certainly against myself. I am actually, uh, competitive as well against all the people around me, uh, for sure. I, I, I feel like actually the ego is a huge part of any race that I'm actually, I'm using air quotes here, racing. Like if I'm, if I'm going for it, I actually am competitive against other people. And I do care if I beat them a lot. And I think that that is a, a healthy thing if you're trying to go that direction in an event. Um, now that said, it's also redundant. Like I'm not going for any podiums or anything. And I genuinely want other people to succeed. So I don't really take it too seriously outside of that internal um, ego pump up that I'm doing during the race. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And I think that's a really good message because sometimes there's like, oh, this person's too competitive or like there seems to be a stigma, but I think it's healthy too. And I think you can find that balance of pushing yourself, being competitive within yourself and the people around you without having to like push your results on anyone else, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't as said as eloquently as you did, but I do know what you mean. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, I might internally be like, Oh, I can, I can beat that person. I bet I can beat them. But then, yeah, I mean, as soon as you're done, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think that is kind of a cool part about, um, about trail running that I found even more. I, I do have the occasional road running friend, not to generalize them all, but it just so it seems to happen more often. Who's like, yeah, I'm not on Strava because I don't want someone to see if I have a, if I have a bad run. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, no one's actually going through your Strava paces. Like no one gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's not, that's not what it's, that, that it's about, but we get caught up in that. We do. And I mean, that ego creep is real, right? For sure. I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't affected that, uh, by that at times as well. You know, if I'm out there thinking, oh yeah, I'm having a really good run. Like, oh, I'm going to post this. People are going to see how fast I am. People are going to see what I did. It's yeah. And I, I just think you just have to recognize that and see if it's becoming a problem. Like, is that the reason why you're putting stuff up online? Is that the reason? Is that your motivation for why you're doing your races? Interesting. If it is, is that, is that healthy? Is it not healthy? What do you think? Right. Ask yourself those questions. I think those are good questions to ask. Yeah. And like, maybe it is, maybe you just want to put up your race that you won your 5k. Cause that was a big goal of yours yeah. and it's exciting, but I think you're right. Like as long as you can be honest with yourself and be like, is my self worth in this or can I separate these two things yes. as well? Right. That is there. You just said that more eloquently than, than I could. 
Well, it's, it's a hard, like, as you probably know, after you play a sport at a high level, um, like so many of my guests have said that as well. Like yeah. being, um, like Brooke talks about it as I'm looking at the multi-grind thing, like after being a rower and defined as that is so long, like you have to be really careful how much of your identity goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you referring to Brooke Spence? Yes. I, um, uh, my multi-grind celebrity moment, uh, was when I gave Brooke Spence one of my tiny cans of iced coffee <laughs> and, <laughs> And I told afterwards, people would ask me about how the multi-grind went. And I went, oh, Brooke Spence was getting the record and I gave her an iced coffee. <laughs> amazing. She's so amazing. I don't think, I don't think she knows who I am, but. I... I'm sure she does. <laughs> how I laughed at your multi-grind thing so hard. Um, I'm the only person I think that has posted a picture of your face after every route up. Um and they told a really good story, exactly how that would feel. So we are already at 40 minutes. This is going Whoa. fast, but I'm loving this conversation. Um, tell us quickly a bit about the multi-grind. Um, how many laps did you do? I ended up doing 13 laps uh, of the multi-grind. Uh, and I I found out about the multi-grind the year prior because uh, my friend Ian Robertson uh, at, at the time was was getting the record for it. And I came out and paced him on one or two of his final laps and then i thought well this is a silly event it's kind of fun let's try i think i'll try it out uh and yeah i, I got a bunch of pro tips from him uh the pro tips were basically get a giant rubber made with all of your stuff st yeah. stash it in the forest at the uh at the bottom at the start of the grind have everything pre-packaged so you come in you have your own aid station now right come in huck all the stuff out of your um little trail running uniform vest and grab all your new stuff and then go and just keep going. That, yeah, that's a great tip. I actually remember because I think I saw you the morning and you're like, I'm just hiding stuff for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. and, I was like, mm -hmm. and then the next year I did that same thing. I was like, Andy, you got to give me a Rubbermaid. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so smart. <laughs> and so for listeners who don't know what this is, yeah. it is a, you climb up, it's about 2K and 800 meters. And then you take the tram down and you have, um, under I think four from four in the morning until 10 p.m. at night to get them done but so Corey did um at least the elevation of Everest plus some with that because the Everest is 11 laps I believe something like that yeah yeah, that yeah. Sounds about so right. that's pretty impressive okay. um okay so your experience pacing Tori at the bear 100 which I think is hilarious because this is so both of you knowing you as separate friendships that Tori would out of like have this so dialed in and then just randomly pick somebody that she knew from the swipeies to pace her and you to just say yeah that's a good idea yeah um, how did that whole thing go down and she did really well she came like fourth I think in that she did awesome and it was really funny so Tori and I had hung out a couple times uh, I think we'd done a few BCMCs together or something and then we're down I don't know we were at Deep Cove or something and she goes Corey I have a really important question for you. I said, yes. Uh, what is it? She said, will you pace me at the bear? And I said, yeah, sounds good. Awesome. I'm in. And then I, and then I, uh, a little while later, uh, we were talking. I said, Tori, you know, I've never, I've paced a couple people in road marathons, but I've never actually paced an ultra distance trail <laughs> event, let alone a hundred miler. Additionally, it sounds like I'm going to be with you for about 40 kilometers. 
And you and I haven't really ever spent more than one to two hours together, maybe. Do you think, like, I, I mean, I'm down with that, but I just think we should maybe... This has given me a red flag a bit. Let's just like, put, that, let's put that out there into the universe. And by that, I mean, maybe we should spend some time on the trails together. And, and then Tori went, what? I thought you paced people all the time. And uh, yeah, anyway, so we decided that we needed to spend some time together on the trails because because I did I I went home I started reading about pacing distance I'm like all right okay what what do I need to know and the information that I got back after hundreds of hours of YouTube videos and and tens of thousands of pages of research was okay think of trying to take care of a drunk petulant toddler <laughs> that yeah. that is what you have to do and I'm like, okay, cool. So I need to, I need to like, I need to get this person's dynamic. I need to know what Tori likes uh, when she's deep into a run, how she's going to act. You know, what, what can, how, what can I say to her? What can't I, should I be funny or joking? Should I not be, you know, what, what are just, what's the dynamic going to be? And we went up to Squamish and uh, ran with her friend Kelly. And we, we put in a, like a 55 K day there. Uh, and yeah, got to know each other a little bit better and then felt pretty confident that this would be fun. That is super funny. Cause what you just said is bang on. And also Tori's like, she's a particular cat, right? Like you could throw her right off in that, in the depth of a, a 50 or a hundred mile race for sure. Yeah. Start talking about something to do with. I'd be like, I'd be like, Tori, let's talk about the patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, but and she so, would just spontaneously combust beside you. <laughs> we, the the best thing is we 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 vibe really well out there. Uh, I was I I was super pumped. Uh, I love running with Tori. It's great. And okay, so fast forward. It's time for the bear. We're going down to Utah. Um, we drive down. We get to get to the house down there, and then it's like, all right, Tori Schultz, winner of the Badger, going to do the Bear One Hundred. Um, setting some aggressive time goals. Let's go over her team. Okay, we've already talked about Tori. Next up, crew boss, Katie Mills, wins a bunch of races, super fast, hella experienced. Next up, pacer number, like, um, let's say lead pacer, Becky Bates. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know Becky was <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she's like, <laughs> Becky Bates. Um, Basically, would she come like fourth or something at Hard Rock or yeah, I, yeah, unreal, Becky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Corey Jennerman. It's my first day. I've never, <laughs> I've never posted before. Um, what do we do? So my 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 role was to pace from the sixty kilometer mark to the hundred kilometer mark, and then like through the day, the afternoon shift, right? And then you hand her off to the A team, uh, Becky for the rest of the way through the night. And Katie drops me off at the 60K aid station in the middle of the afternoon. And I'm so, I'm like so nervous, right? I just want to do a good job. I just want to do a good job. And I don't know. I have no idea when Tori's going to come in. We've kind of estimated. And then I'm sitting there in the sun. Okay, I've calmed down. Oh my God, here comes someone over the hill. It could be Tori. And I jump up. My heart rate pins to 200 beats a minute. Oh, it's not her. Fuck. Okay. They sit back down. And then, yeah, finally she comes barreling into the aid station. 
And we had talked about having like a real strategy in the aid stations, right? Um, just like, I'm, I want to be like an F1 car. Uh, I want to, I want to come in to take my water, do these things in, out. Don't want to lose any time in the aid station. Get out of the aid station. Um, so, oh my God, I'm so nervous. She comes in, I'm shaking. I like, well, I ripped the little thing off her, off her, um, uh, her bladder and it like flies off. It doesn't break, but it comes off the cord that holds it. Ah, and I'm fumbling, get it back on, fill up some water. Okay, let's go. And we're off. And, and then, um, kind of settled in and, and went from there and it was fun. I, uh, yeah, do you, do you want me to, I can talk to you about how, how I helped her eat things yeah yeah give us people are we have so many questions that's like how do you have a crew for a hundred mile or i'm pacing my first friend so yeah give us your top tips for sure okay great yeah i i um i had a lot of fun so the 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 top tips i had for uh pacing that i used uh number one i would never ask her how she was feeling i would oh interesting yeah i would never say oh how are you feeling because that and i talked to her about this a little bit before as well but that gives her an opportunity to focus on how bad she's feeling. Yeah. And, and so instead I would just lie to her and, um, I'm okay. Well, like legitimately she was actually doing great. And I remember at one point we were running along the flats at like, I think doing five minute kilometers and I'm like, holy shit. And, and but she was comfortable. Good. So never ask her how she was doing. I would only tell her that she was looking strong or I would make a suggestion like, oh yeah, like, Hey, let's just, let's power hike this section. I think that'll be good. Um, I would communicate with her a lot about running in front or behind her. I would just say, you know, I'd say, Hey, I'm going to run in front of you for this section. And then I, I would kind of go, Oh, should I go behind you now? Again, just sort of to see what dynamic she wanted. Sometimes she wanted to be in front. Sometimes she wanted to just kind of, you know, zone out and, and sit in the back. Um, one of the big things that I did, I mapped out all the, sections of the course for myself and i had little notes uh or eight eight station to eight station so i knew okay uh from 60 to whatever 70k it's going to be approximately this long we're going to go up about this much we're going to go down about this much our peak elevation is going to be here and i had a little legend like i had i had little um pieces of paper in a ziploc bag in my in my vest and i would just look at that constantly that's super smart. Yeah. I really, I really like what you said about, um, I'm going to run in front of you. I'm going to run behind you a bit here too. Mm-hmm. Cause then that just gives her the opportunity too. if for some reason she doesn't want to run behind you to just be like, no, no, just stay. Yeah. You know, like and without her having to be like, am I going to piss him off if I tell him where to go or something yeah. like that, you know? Totally. And then, and then the only time I would tell her anything about distance was when we and we had agreed on this before as well. Like I went through all of this with her uh, before a little bit. Um, yeah, that's important. The was when we were within one mile of the aid station. Uh, Tori works in miles, which is confusing to me. But yeah. I um, so once we were within one mile of the aid station, and I was confident that we were within one mile of the aid station. I would say, okay, Tori, we're within one mile of the aid station. What are we doing? And then we together would talk about what we were going to do at the aid station. So she'd tell me, okay, we're going to refill my water. Uh, I'm going to empty out some of my garbage. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to get on a new pair of socks. And then I would say, okay, cool. And then we would just reiterate that. So now uh, her mind would be focusing on what we were doing. And then secondly, we had an actual plan. So when we got there, 
you know, Katie would just roll up and we'd go this, 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 this. And then she would do all that stuff. And then, and we would be out uh, pretty quick. I love that. And that gives you, yeah, like, I almost feel like that extends the break in the aid station. Cause for a mile, she's thinking about that break that she's getting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's rad. So I, I felt like that was um, quite good where, where, and this was my own inexperience as a pacer. Uh, one error that we made was that, and this is where um, Becky's experience as a pacer showed is that Tori was coming into the aid stations and just like trying to get everything done at once and then going. And she wasn't taking that one or two minutes to relax, get her heart rate down, um, try to, you know, be able to digest some of the food. And, and that kind of bit her a little bit later um, where she puked up a bunch of soup. Uh, but I think if, so one change I would have made was take 30 seconds, almost like if you're in a, um, if you're in a, an MMA fight and they go back to the corner, what do they do for the first 20 seconds? Right. They just tell you to breathe. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, uh, that's something I would have changed. And then, um, getting her to eat was kind of funny. I tried a strategy where I would ask her, uh, to eat and then I would thank her for eating. So I would say, Hey, um, could you do me a favor? Uh, could you just maybe eat some of that stroopwafel you have? And then she'd go, and like, eat a little bit of it. And, and then I go, thanks. Hey, thanks. And, and she told me after that, that, um, she like, she's like, yeah, you know, I just, I didn't want to disappoint you because you kept thanking me for eating. Yes, totally. It's those little things, right? And back to that point too of pausing. I think we hear so much of like, get the fuck out of the aid station mm -hmm. for like a 50K. Yeah, but for 100 miles, you're right. Like you can take, say there's 10 aid stations, a total of five minutes, taking 30 seconds to just stand and breathe at each one, mm -hmm. which might save you half, like an hour or two later. Totally, um, totally. And then, yeah, just keeping everything a positive experience. I mean, I would have tried the airplane for sure. That actually works with Baker every time. Just zoom it right in there. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure she would have been super stoked. Yeah, yeah. Things, yeah, big yeah. sweaty cord. Like, here it comes. Here comes the airplane. <laughs> Leave me alone. I, you're fired. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, those those were the uh, the things that I felt worked really well. Uh, and, again, none of this was a surprise. Maybe thanking her for eating was a surprise. But none of any of the things that I just talked to you about were a surprise to Tori on race day. We had talked about all of this beforehand, and I felt that that was very helpful. And what about if you could say before we um, close up yeah. here, like one big no-no that you're like, most of the time, this is like the exact wrong thing to do. Any big warnings? I mean... Yeah, I think that, again, it depends on your runner, but I would not focus on distance or time. I think that's irrelevant, especially in a hundred miler. And I'm, I'm speaking to the general population, of course, right? Like there's that, that very top tier that this, I think, would help them a lot, right? The people that are trying to win, maybe. Um, like, yeah, just talking about distance or time, I think is, could really break someone if they're in a bad way. Yeah. Can you imagine just having the worst, just being in the darkest hole and then someone goes, yeah, you got it. Only 8K to go. And you're like, oh, what? Like that would be demoralizing. 
Totally. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I even have to stop my brain from doing that, being like, oh, only two more marathons to go. Like, no, just that tree, man. One step, one step. Yeah, yeah. Shrink your universe to just what you can just 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 be in the moment. (laughs) To be in the moment, man. Maybe that should be the name of this podcast. Be in the moment, man. I like I like trail on running women podcast. Oh no, I meant like this episode. Oh, this episode, yeah. (laughs) That would be very off topic for the entire podcast, but it would be fun. It would open me up to a whole lot of things we could talk about. Um, Okay, so I wanted to give you, before we close up, I have one last question, but I do want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about your website a little bit because I think Run Guides is such Mm -hmm. a cool concept and I'm sure it's taken a bit of a pause during the pandemic, but I can only imagine you have a bunch of stuff going on with it. So tell us a bit more about... um, what your website is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Run Guides is a website that helps people find runs across North America. And uh, yeah, it is what it sounds like. It is a calendar of upcoming races. And it is all over the all, U.S. in all the cities, right? Last time? Yeah, all over the U.S., all over Canada. Uh, we have a couple destination races in there, but it, I mean, it's 99% North American content. And, and you're right, it did. It, uh, things got crazy this last year. I mean, all the races got canceled. So we ended up creating something called Virtual Baton App. And that's been pretty fun. That's what we've been spending. Uh, I mean, running, running traffic is coming back. We're, we're almost back to 2019 levels. In tra- oh, wow. Yeah, which is, is really interesting. Um, I think, well, who knows? But I think it's going to come back pretty, pretty strong. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, we've been doing this Virtual Baton App. Uh, under a brand called Run Guides Races, uh, where people can team up and then use the app to add distance to a team and watch themselves move along an interactive map with Google Street View. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that's a good training tool long term, anyways, and just hold your friends kind of another level of accountability. It's it's been pretty fun. Yeah, we've had uh, teams go through maps like around Bali and Lombok, Tokyo to Osaka. Uh, the next one that we're going to be launching, uh, actually, we're going to be doing a West Coast Trail one that that's just going to be a freebie for people to try out. And then cool. uh, we're going to be doing one uh, where you go from Las Vegas to Tijuana. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And yeah, people people seem to really like it. It's a way to you know, run with friends, run or walk with friends anywhere in the world. Uh, and then the other kind of neat thing is we've been actually producing a number of private events for companies that are looking for ways for their uh, workforce to have a little bit of fun and connect. That's like not another Zoom call. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really cool idea. And I think that is such a space that is needed to improve too. Just because the corporate setting, even though everyone's like, yeah, try to have boundaries, try to get some movement in the day, still ends up so focused around sitting for so long. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun like we have a um uh a tech company in town here in Vancouver that we're producing one for uh that actually launches next week and and again it's just private to their intern internal staff. They have over a hundred people going from uh Barcelona to Valencia in uh Spain and then they they pop over and end up on uh, the island of Ibiza. And yeah, I mean so far they seem pretty pumped about it and I think I think it'll be fun. So we're gonna probably be doing a lot more of those. Well, that's awesome. I love how you guys have um, pivoted, but still are going to go back to the run guides. Because like I said, that's one of my, it's such a go-to. And like, I'm speaking partly because I do a lot of just like posting about our um, podcast episodes in 
trail and ultra running groups on Facebook. Um, some of them you wouldn't have ever seen because they're ladies only, but literally like every other day, someone's like, where can I find races? Where can I find races? And I'm like, God, there's still such a need for this. So yeah, check it out. We will link to it in the show notes as well. Thank you. Okay. So last question after any of your events, Mm -hmm. what is your favorite meal? Oh, what is my favorite meal? Um, Yeah. yeah, I go, I go burger. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of burger guy. And what about to drink? Um, it's either, well, if it's a shorter event, then like me a good DC, like give me one of those diet Cokes. But if it's a longer event, I'm sugared out. So like me a nice beer. Yeah, actually that's a good way. Cause I kind of have that too. I know. Yeah. And I've never really tied it together, but it's totally just like, I don't have any more sugar. Yeah. You, salty chip though. Sometimes. Oh, nice salty beer. chips. So good. Yeah. I, have, I don't even need an event. I could just have burgers and chips. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah. I mean, uh, if they're like personally me, I don't do a lot of like personal social stuff to be honest, but you can find, uh, I do post a few fun little comics and stuff on Instagram at run guides. Uh, that would be the best place to check me out, I guess. Okay. Awesome. And I feel like I'm going to have to talk to you again because I wanted to talk about having a huge company with a friend. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I want to talk about you are friends with all of your past Tinder dates and that your girlfriend is just so fucking cool that she's like, whatever. (laughs) And what else? I had so many other things I wanted and the beer mile, like there's just so many things. So we're going to have to have you on again, but thank you so much for taking your time today. Um, and I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm honored to come on the podcast as, uh, I guess one of the, one of the few, uh, male guests on here. So yeah, yes, thank you. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you.